BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Joining me on this episode is Project Spurs' founder, Michael DeLeon. Mike, it's, uh, you know, today that you and I are recording, it's July 5th, and uh, to no surprise, Kawhi Leonard still hasn't made a decision. Mm-mm. It kind of makes me glad that everything went as as quickly as it did last summer, because now everybody kind of knows what it feels like to have to, have to wait around and, and see what happens. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but hey, at least there's some summer league uh, basketball to watch. We're not, like, totally just bored and waiting for him to come off this announcement it wouldn't honestly with Kawhi, it wouldn't even shock me if if he waited till july 18th to even announce like just like how the day that the trade went down last year yep. so anyway so you know obviously we know the spurs running this Kawhi Leonard running uh it's between the lakers clippers and um raptors so we're gonna go uh go ahead and focus though on on uh, the spurs specifically mike uh and spurs cast listeners we're gonna go through um four different topics because i know it's been a while the last time i recorded was right after the draft when um, Stephen, um, not Stephen, uh, Benjamin Bornstein, myself, and and Trevor Zickraff, we all talked about uh, Lucas Samanich oh, yeah. and Kelton Johnson. Well, now, uh, now that free agencies be- began and it looks like the Spurs are done, we'll, me and Mike will get into some conversation there. So, Mike, let's begin with our first topic, which is a uh, not a surprising move, very expected move, which was that the Spurs uh, announced that they would not the Spurs, but reporters announced that the Spurs would be re-signing Rudy Gay for two years, thirty-two million, um, using his early bird rights. Um, you know, Rudy had a good season with the Spurs, 13, 14 points a game, seven rebounds, three assists, shot 50% from the floor, 40% from the three-point line. So he had a good regular season. Off In the playoffs, he was very inconsistent, 11 points, seven rebounds, two assists, uh, 40% shooting, 42 from three. And, and we saw that against Denver. There were some games where it just felt like he wasn't there or he didn't have it. And then, and then later on, before the Spurs got balanced, uh, he was one of their stronger players. Um, so, Mike, what did you think about uh, Rudy Gay resigning with the Spurs? I was good with it. I liked it. I liked that they did that, that they made that a priority because one thing I know a lot of people have gotten caught up on numbers and I think that's kind of silly, but one thing is I felt like he was kind of in the driver's seat here and, you know, he, he probably could have, I mean, he probably could have asked for a little more than market share because if they didn't sign him, it's not like they had under 16 million, that 16 million to go spend anywhere else. They would have still just had the mid-level. So um, I was glad that they got that taken care of. It's only like 3 million more than last year. So, um, yeah, I think that that was good to bring him back, and I think 
bringing him back for the third year is good because now he's familiar with the system. There's been a lot of – it's not the foundation hasn't been completely solid in the past two years, you know, especially with the injury and then last year with so many new players. And so maybe this year, uh, you know, things will be even even better and he'll have he'll be even more comfortable. So I'm, I'm glad they got that taken care of right away. Yeah, and you know, I want to I want to point out two things that you just referred to there, and that that I really want to target. Um, the first thing was the fact that, like you said, because uh, I've seen this on Twitter a few times already. You know, when the season starts and Rudy starts playing bad at different times, you can please do not you know go on Twitter and, and ask us why did they give him sixteen million? You could have got somebody else because that is not able to happen. That's something that I'm glad you pointed out, Mike. Okay, uh, I, I know most people understand this, but some, some people don't. Just remember that they, they, their Spurs re-signed Rudy using his early bird rights. They, so again, that $16 million that they're getting him for, they could not use that on any other free agent. That was not available to them. The only way you can use that is just on Rudy Gay. And again, it's because they had his early bird rights. So so during the season, I hope we don't see those kind of conversations of why did they not give that to uh, player X? They did not have that $16 million. Like Mike just said, they only had the, the mid-level exception to use on, on outside free agents. Um, and another thing... Um, so yeah, that was one point you brought up there, Mike. Uh, the other part is just the money. I know, I know, I saw. I've already seen some some fans say that they overpaid. Sixty million is too much. Blah blah blah. Just remember that this is not next year in twenty twenty. It is not a very strong free agent class. It's it, honestly the only two all stars in this class coming up next summer are Anthony Davis, who we probably know isn't going to sign with the Spurs, and then also Kyle Lowry. And you know, Lowry's already getting on on the you know on the latter part of his age. The Spurs already have a million guards, so they don't need Kyle Lowry. Outside of that, I mean, your best free agents out there in 2020 are Draymond Green, uh, DeMar, who could become a free agent, Eric Gordon, Danilo Gallinari. So I know there's going to be a lot of um, complaints about next season, too, when he's making 16. But again, you know, who is that extra, you know, that other free agent that's guaranteed to come to San Antonio to, to keep that cap space open for? Uh, let's talk. Let's take this uh, part of the conversation, Mike, though, in a different way. I want to talk about the, the four, though, that spot, because now that Rudy's back, you know, he, he, he plays very well at the four. When, when he plays at the four, um, the Spurs were like a 55-win team. Uh, Davis Bertens plays well at the four. Then now you got Damari Carroll, who also plays well at the four. Then we also saw that Pop in the playoffs went back to a more traditional LaMarcus Aldridge at the four. So you have a lot of guys right now in the four where there's like a lot of, um, you know, I just don't know where the minutes are, honestly. Uh, what do you think about that, how, how re-signing Rudy is going to kind of clog that four spot, especially with somebody like Luka Samanich on the roster now? Yeah, I mean, I really don't know how they're going to figure out their minutes because not only is that an issue, but also I'm guessing probably the one, two, you know, whoever, however they're going to divide those minutes up as well because there's a lot of players there. I mean, Carroll obviously does well, has done well at the four, and like you said, uh, you know, Samanich, I'm not, you know, obviously he could end up being in spending some time in Austin, and that, that changes some things. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where they're probably going to see tomorrow at the three, and so I'll put Rudy at, at the four either starting off the bench and so it's it's one of i guess it's a good problem for pop to have because he's got some personnel now and he's got some people that have you know a skill set you know that that are in areas they need to fix but he's gonna have to divvy all that up somehow and i'm not really sure how he's gonna do that at this point yeah and you know i think i think like you said it's good that, that it's a good problem to have you have so much you know depth basically there and you can figure it out i think the one problem though is that for davis bertans i think that's a, that's a little bit tricky now because he is a young player he played very well in the regular season last year but we saw his you know we just saw that pop lost all trust in him uh in the playoffs where his minutes went down to i think almost 15 a game uh there was some games where pop just gave him dnps in the playoffs 
So I feel like someone like like Bertans that he's really going to struggle if, if somebody like Carroll starts playing well uh, so, along with Rudy, where he could just follow the rotation and then and then you're paying this guy seven million a year and t- other teams want him. He, he's the name that the Athletic reported um, was was a name that people were calling about teams, but the Spurs aren't putting him in any kind of trade. So so I do wonder if Bertans will even finish this year um, on the Spurs, considering that he's an attractive contract to other teams and you know his minutes could really dwindle here with Rudy Beck. Um, all right, Mike, let's go to the second player that you mentioned that, that they signed. Uh, that is Damari Carroll. So he's the, the mystery free agent that that, uh, that they signed. Uh, we knew that they had one spot open, and they were likely going to either sign another wing or, or a big, and it, it ended up being that wing in, in Damari. So he signs for two years, 12, 12 million, not a bad deal. Um, they used part of the mid-level exception of $9 million, so, so pay him about $6 million. Um, in the regular season, he was pretty good for Brooklyn, 11.1 points, um, 5.2 rebounds, 1.3 assists, shot 40% from the field. 34% from three in 25 minutes. In the playoffs, kind of just like Davis Bertens, he struggled a little bit, and he only scored seven points a game, four rebounds, um, shot 24% from the floor, and 29% from three got a little bit worse, 24 minutes a game. Uh, he struggled. Last year, he played most of his minutes as a three. He played 68% of his minutes, but he struggled there. He They played like a 35-win team with him there. However, at the four, he played 26% of his minutes, like I mentioned, and he and, and they played well the Nets. They, they were like a 53-win team. So what do you think about uh, Carroll's signing? I liked it. I remember I kind of like took a poll on Twitter and like asking people who they wanted that was actually in like that market range of the mid level. And a lot of people were saying um, they were saying Marcus Morris, and which I think he was actually probably above that 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 yeah, he uh, used to be above market. That. And then Stanley uh, Johnson, yeah, yes, Stanley <laughs> Johnson. A lot of people were wanting him. Up. Yeah, no, no one's going to pick him up. You can tell no. he, he might have to. So, so I, I thought I thought the Carroll. But I mean, obviously, when you looked at. Last season in the playoffs, one of the big issues was defense, right? And they 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 had some defense, like a point guard, and if you but but having a guy like that to immediately boost your defense, I think is a big deal. Um, his he can shoot from outside. I mean, obviously he's not going to be like a, he's not like a stud outside shooter or anything like that. To me, I think he has kind of a weird release where he's like not not like Markov balance, but he kind of jumps forward a little bit. It just looks weird, but but he's been able to knock it down and. I think really the, the best thing about him is his fit. It seems like he's a great fit for the team. He seems like the kind of player that would work well with it, with this team and his coaching staff. He got to play under Budenholzer in Atlanta and then in a system under uh, Marks with the Brooklyn. And I think those are all good things. Uh, and then I, I really think that uh, above that, he's probably going to be a good mentor to some of the younger guys like a um, Kelvin Johnson, uh, so that kind of have that same skill set. So I liked it. I feel like they, they covered some needs that they, they had and they got a guy that's going to fit in like probably right away. So, so I'm all for it too. The only, the only issue I have, and it's not just, it's not even about Damari. It's more about any wing they were going to sign, like any veteran wing is the fact that I think that this really, really puts a, a clamper on, um, on Lonnie Walker's ability to, to kind of get guaranteed minutes in a role. Because, I mean, he's already stuck back there behind, you know, DeMar DeRozan in the starting lineup as a three usually. Then you got Marco Bellinelli off the bench who, who usually takes DeMar's spot. So he already has to beat out DeMar and Belly. And then all of a sudden now you got you got Carroll who plays most of the three. And I just feel like, you know, you know we know we know how Coach Pop is. He's always going to trust the veteran guys, the, the defensive background guys. And Carroll's a good D and, uh, three and D guy, even though he's older, that I think Pop will trust more so than Lonnie, especially – I know it's only two games of summer league, but I, but just based on these two games of summer league, I still don't see Lonnie right now cracking you know rotation minutes over over these three guys uh, that we're talking about. Even though he has more upside and he's younger and all these different things, uh, what do you think about that? The fact that this could this this Carroll move could really um, 
hinder Lonnie's development in year year two. Yeah, that's the hard thing about when they because obviously the Spurs don't always sign uh, you know fifteen, and and that's one thing about this is that they've got the full fifteen, and you know there's not a lot of room there anywhere. So you know, I, one thing for sure that's going to make trading camp pretty competitive, I think, which will, will yes, be good for sure. But yeah, I mean, you kind of sometimes you kind of wonder about some of the young guys and their development. Um, and you know, you're right, I've seen the same thing where I don't think he's going to be cracking the position above, above some of those other guys either. But I mean, it's one of those things where you know something's got, got to give at some point. I don't know if if they try to move pieces around or if or if you know they spend some of the young, send some of the younger guys to Austin more from, than they normally would. But um, there's definitely. Uh, that, that's definitely an issue, and I think a lot of people are excited for Lonnie already because based off what they they see, and uh, so I think it might be another year of being patient for him. Yeah, for sure, and like you mentioned, I think the biggest thing there is is for him to really try to uh, beat out these guys for their spots in, in summer league. I mean, not summer league, in training camp when, when that starts in October. Um, yeah, so let's play a quick little game here. I'm going to say, uh, you're going to say over or under. Okay, I'm going to give you the win projection right now for the Spurs just based on these two signings. 43.7 wins. Would you say this team is over or under that? I'd say slightly over. Okay, I agree with you there. Okay, and again, these are early projections from the B-Ball Index, and, and these are not knowing where Kawhi's going to sign, because obviously if Kawhi signs with the Lakers or Clippers, well, then the Spurs' record out west is, might get a little bit lower just because they have more tougher competition. If he goes back to Toronto, well, then that could increase. Um, next one, uh, tell me, agree or, I mean, just say agree or disagree. Would you be surprised if the Spurs finish with the seventh seed out west next year? I wouldn't be surprised. surprised. No. You wouldn't be surprised, right? Okay, no. yeah, that's kind of where I feel this kind of team is. I don't feel like they're a top four, you know, Western Conference team with these two yeah. moves they made. Yeah, a lot of teams um, seem to have been getting better. So, you talk yeah, for alone. sure. So, those are just some early, obviously, really, really early projections of, of where they're, the data is showing that, that this first team is going to be. All right, Mike, let's go to the third topic. Um, this is one that's kind of current. Uh, you know, I'm going to make sure I timestamp that uh, you and I are having this conversation at 6 p.m. On, uh, on on Friday, so that in the event that this player does sign somewhere, it's not San Antonio, that the fans know why we discussed this. And this player is DeMarcus Cousins. Um, he's been linked to the Spurs now in a few rumors. Uh, the latest one by Sham Sharani is that, that DeMar DeRozan is one of the stars who has reached out to Boogie and trying to basically recruit him to San Antonio. So Boogie, you know, he's kind of faced the same problem of last summer where we, we thought he played okay, and now that now that you know all the money's gone and most with most of the teams, it's looking like he's not getting any kind of deals. Adrian Wojnarowski had reported that a few days ago. There's still a chance he could get paid pretty well if uh, you know if the Lakers or Clippers strike out on Kawhi. Well, then one of those teams might might put some of their their money toward Boogie. But right now, it looks like he could be had for for what the Spurs have available, which is like three million of, of the MLE left. Um, so the, I don't want to get too much into this just because we don't know if it's going to happen, but the two ways that the Spurs can sign Boogie if he wanted to come to San Antonio is they could try to trade a player into cap space or with the, to a team with the trade player exception. So like we mentioned, Davis Bertans is a name out there. Um, Brent Forbes, Marco Bellinelli are kind of attractive contracts to other teams. Or they could waive a player, and that player would might most likely be Chemezi Metu only because his salary is so low at $1.4 million. And again, on Metu, we don't know exactly where the, where the front office sees his development. We haven't got to see him in summer league yet. Uh, he got injured uh, right right, right before they were about to start playing. So we don't know their plans for Metu. If they have high expectations, well, then they probably wouldn't waive him. But if he was like Libio Jean Charles and they didn't see enough in Austin last year, they might think about making that, that, that cut to, to get Boogie if he wanted to come. So what do you think about this Boogie rumor? Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously the first thing I thought was there's a lot of uh, hurdles to jump over before they would be able to make that happen. 
Um, but I mean, it's like Woj said there was like no market for him. I, I thought, honestly, I thought the Knicks, once that they struck out on everybody who they had, I thought they'd overpay him right away and he may be able to get something around nine or 10 in that area. That didn't happen. And obviously, nobody else seems to. And, and he's going to have to have another year like he had last year, basically. His idea was to, you know, play for cheap and prove, er- prove to everybody that he's still the same player he was. And he's got to do that again if he wants to get another uh, payday. But, um, you know, he's still got a lot to show. I mean, he, he can still be a serviceable big, obviously. We saw that last year. But then, you know, they've got to make – he's either got to take that three. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but people have said, well, what if they trade, like, Patty's contract? And I'm just like, well, don't they still have to get under the cap? And no, no, there's, there's they, a big well, gap there? Yeah, no, no, no. As long as they stay under the hard cap, they're they're okay. Like uh, okay. Right now, they currently are, and, and yeah, and even if you trade, I mean, even if you trade Patty, you're still only gonna have three million off for Boogie. That doesn't change right. any, in exactly. any way. That's, so, that's, yeah. Okay. That, so that's what I'm thinking. I know there's been a lot of like um, uh, situations that have come up. People have tried to um, uh, make some some way for that to happen, but yeah, I don't think I don't think that that doesn't change anything really. He's still gonna have to agree to that three. So. It's one of those things that's going to be interesting. I guess it's really just keeps going. I think once Kawhi decides and some other pieces start falling, then we'll see where that goes. But it's interesting. Yeah, and some other things I wanted to note. Um, you know, there's there's been a billboard apparently in San Marcos, Texas, that that I think it says what boot scoot boot scoot and boogie right. They're yeah, like trying to yeah. advertise to get him over to San Antonio. So that's pretty funny. Um, also, I had put on a, a fan poll the other day, and, and a lot of people want him here in San Antonio. It was eighty percent favor boogie playing for San Antonio, twenty percent against it. So um, you know, just in my opinion, if they could figure it out, I, I would actually be all for it because like like you and I just said. This team's probably a seven seven seed right now, just based on, on the, the roster that they have, um, you know, and depending on what Kawhi does. And so it doesn't hurt. I mean, it's a it's a low risk, high reward kind of thing where you know you're only paying them probably three million to get him here. And if it doesn't work out, if he starts being a locker room um, nuisance and things like that, they could just wave him like they did with Steven Jackson a few years ago. Right. And you know, you still have your your team intact. Whereas the flip side is that if he does, you know, get back to all star form, uh, well then, hey, you're adding an all star level talent to Lamarcus right. Aldridge and Demar Derozan. I also think that their system, because they play slower, they play bigger, they play two point basketball. The Spurs, it, it will fit his game a little bit better. Yeah, definitely than, um, better. Than you know, it, it, it doesn't. Like I said, it doesn't hurt to try just based on on the roster that they have right now. So, so we'll kind of like you said, Mike. We'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on the boogie rumors and see what happens uh, uh, where he signs. Um, all right, Mike. Last topic. Let's go through. Uh, I want to talk just a little bit about the Salt Lake City portion of the Spurs' summer league. So they just finished that, wrapped that up. They went two and one. They 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 played very well in their first two games. In the last game against Utah, they struggled a little bit for most of the night, but they did get it within a possession. And Lonnie Walker missed a game winner. I mean, uh, game game tying three pointer. So let, let's just go through um, a few of the players, uh, mainly the guys that are going to be what we're projected to be on the team next year is who I want to talk about. Just kind of give me your, your assessment on each guy. So let's first start off with Lonnie Walker IV, who is in year two. Um, he averaged 19.5 points, 52% shooting, 7.5 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal in 29 minutes in two games at Salt Lake. What did you think about Lonnie's performance so far? There's, there's definitely a lot to like. I like that he's attacking. He seems like he he doesn't let anything keep him away. One of the comments I made on Twitter was like, he sees the lanes that congested and he'll go in there anyway and somehow pull off some crazy uh, scoop layup or something to make that happen. I like that. He should start to show that a little bit of aggression. He needs to be a little, uh, a little tighter on his handle. just because he's gotten the ball poked away a lot. So he's got to be, be careful with that. And, um, but, but so far from what I've seen, that small sample size, I mean, I, I can see where there's been some development there compared to where he started last year and even what I saw in Austin. 
um, it's it's not like jump off the page like Derek White, but it's definitely uh, good to see. Yeah, and and uh, for me too, you know, it's weird. The stats look good for him, but when you watch it with your your eye test, it doesn't feel like you know Kawhi year two or Kyle Anderson year two or even like Derek White, like we talked about. Some of those past Spurs who played very well, like you could just see it, like they just look like they didn't belong at summer league, and the Spurs took them out pretty easy. Whereas Lonnie, he, he'll struggle for a few quarters, and he'll kind of get it together and, and look like really impressive. And uh, I think for me, the, the issue for me, or not issue, but just kind of what I'm seeing right now, what he needs to per, uh, get a little bit better on work on in Vegas is his kind of decision making. I, I noticed that a lot of pick and rolls, the Spurs are given that opportunity to be the lead ball handler. And his first gut reaction usually is to kind of, if the, if the defense gives him space by dropping under the screen, he just takes that mid-range jumper, which is fine. But I mean, it's, it's got to be a problem that he only has one assist a game and he's taking all these shots. Uh, so it's good that you're seeing that confidence in him building that jumper up. But again, I think that decision making is not getting enough pl- players involved or getting to the, to the rack enough. Uh, on defense, he has moments where he looks really energetic. I mean, he's getting in passing lanes. He's really being disruptive. But then at other times, you just forget he's on the court on, on the defensive end. So uh, I do want to credit his rebound. He looks really, he's, you know, he's getting seven and a half boards, like I mentioned. He, he reminds me a lot of DeJounte Murray. He's just going up there, getting rebounds. You know, he's just so athletic. He just. He has so, so much to give on that end of the floor in, in the rebounding department. So, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more, like I said, on offense, on his decision-making uh, here going into Vegas. Uh, next player let's talk about is Keldon Johnson. Um, he's averaging 16.5 points, shooting 58% from the floor, 4.5 rebounds, 2 steals in 22 minutes. And a lot of this is coming off his second game where he yeah. really just went to another level <laughs> yeah. and finished with 29 points because his first game he was very quiet and inconsistent. So what did you think about Keldon in these first two games? Yeah, I mean, I like what I saw, but I have to I have to be careful because it was basically one game. That first game was really kind of a wash. And obviously nerves and things like that play part. So I want to see more from him in Vegas. But what I did see, I mean, it was kind of when, – when they picked him, I was like I, – I was kind of surprised that he was still there. Like I had missed a few picks. I went away and I came back and they picked him. And I was like, he's still on the board. That kind of shocked me, uh, especially because everything Ben wrote about him and, and everything – but, um, yeah, I like what I saw because he just seems to be very aware on, on D. Um, makes some smart plays. He's always in passing lanes, it seems like. Um, it's not killer athletic, but his jumper looks pretty good. I like that. And it just seems like it's it's kind of like it just seems like he has a good feel for, for the game. And uh, so I think that's good to see early. But I definitely want to see more in Vegas and see if he can sustain that. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, like, like you mentioned, in both games, the defensive part, he's there. Like, he's got it. He's, he's always tenacious. He's, you can tell he's trying to disrupt passing lanes, getting, you know, getting uh, rebounds. He, too, also reminds me a little bit like Murray, where he just goes up and grabs those rebounds over everyone and then starts taking off. Um, and I, I think it was Thomas Robinson who made a comment called him Baby Russ or something like that after yeah. the second game. So it was like that little comment. But he kind of reminds you that where he can just get a defensive rebound, just take off full court yeah. and try to finish. Now, the issue for, for me is um, – or well, first of all, I want to credit his, his shot also. His spot-up shot looks really nice from three-point line. He looks very confident, especially in that second game where he got to take him. We didn't get to see them in that first game. Um, I think in terms of his offense, so I think that the finishing is really a problem where he doesn't really quite know what to do when he gets like two steps inside the paint. He, he like he'll just throw it up like a floater or something or or just awkward layup. So I think that's something that they're going to have to work with him on is finishing at the rim. But he does have that that tenacity on 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 um, to get his own rebounds basically and try to put them back. That's something I saw him do a qu- quite a few times. But again, you know we both like to see what he can do at Vegas. Uh, let's talk about Drew Eubanks, who should be on a two way contract with the Spurs next year. Um, he's averaging 14 points, shooting 64%, 5.5 rebounds um, in 21 minutes. He's got the most classic left-hand um, um, 
uh, hook shot right yeah. now. So, so that's really um, a, a retro uh, throwback to Junior Banks. What have you thought about him? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny you said that because when I, when I see his game, it reminds me so much of like uh, 80s and early 90s type of bigs, the way he plays. He kind of showed me, I think, everything I needed to, to see, just to, that he's continuing to to play well and take steps. I, like I said, I didn't see anything that was like crazy. I kind of just saw what, kind of what I expected, and he kept him in that game, um, that last game, to give him a chance, and he seemed like he was the only one that really had anything going as uh, far like that. But, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I, I don't have, I guess I don't have a ton of notes on him just because I felt like he didn't really do anything that really stuck up, but he did everything that I expected. Yeah, that's what I that's what I wrote up in my um in my 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 observations that in that first game. It's like it's hard to explain his game in writing just because like you know he, it's not flashy in any way, but he just does a good job. He knows his role. You know, he, it's 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 you know it's considered like boring in a way just to talk about it, but he just does what he needs to do, and that's why you saw that Pop in a way trusted him more, even though he's on a two way contract than Chemezi met you last year because Drew knows his job. That's all he does. He knows how to do his job on both ends of the floor. He doesn't do uh, what, what's not asked of him. So he, he's having a solid summer league. Like we, we both mentioned. Uh, let's talk about Quindary Weatherspoon, the second um, the second round player the Spurs took in this past draft. Uh, he's averaging 13 points, uh, shooting 50% from the floor, two and a half rebounds, two assists, uh, 24 minutes a game in two games. What have you thought about Quindary? I think what I've taken away most from him is that he seems like really poised, and he seems like he doesn't seem like a lot of these other guys, like 18, 19 years old, and like he seems like. I mean, obviously, he played four years and. You can kind of see that when he's on the floor, he he knows what he's doing. He's smart, and um, you know, so far he, he, I think he was kind of the first player, um, first person that everybody was talking about because it seemed like we kind of took turns. Like the second night, we were talking about Skelton a lot. The first night, it seemed to be between Kundari and Luca, but Kundari um, kind of surprised a lot of people because he was that second rounder that not a lot of people knew and a lot of not a lot of people expected, but kind of showed exactly why he was picked and why he was given a a basically a two-way contract. Right? Obviously, they saw something in him and they knew what they were doing because um, everything I've seen so far, I- I've liked. And, and I think uh, we'll probably see plenty of him in Vegas. And I just want to – I think he has a chance to – because of he has, I guess, that experience, even though it's not NBA, but he has a chance to kind of lead on the floor. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, the word that comes to me is composed. Just he, he's just a very composed player. He looks he looks way older. You know, the most of the guys there in terms of just his his maturity on the on the floor. He doesn't look you know worried or nervous. He just looks like he can he can run a pick and roll easily. Kind of calm down an offense. So he's just doing his job out there. I was very impressed by him, especially in that first game. You know, for him to be taking the NBA court and kind of just having a lot of command uh, over that Spurs offense. Um, you know, what I noticed is that he, he definitely, um, you know, he, he does better when he can kind of slow down and kind of get everybody in their, in, their, in their five spots and then run a pick and roll on offense, like I mentioned. Uh, he, he can make very smart cuts when he's off the ball. Defensively, you know, he doesn't have the longest arm, so he's not able to, like, you know, really disrupt, re- disrupt areas, but he's, he knows where he's supposed to be. He's a high IQ kind of player, so I think that he's definitely going to fit well for the Spurs as a two-way contract, and in case somebody gets hurt in terms of a guard, they can call him up from Austin. Uh, last guy I want to talk about is Lucas Simonich, uh, the 19th pick uh, this, this in the uh, in the draft. Uh, he's averaging 10 points, shooting 38% from the floor, five and a half rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.5 blocks in 23 minutes. What have you thought about Lucas' um, debut in these first two games? Uh, so far, I thought I need a lot more tape, basically, because I need to see a lot more of him. Because I don't know, I felt like everybody got kind of high on him the first game, and there were some good things that I saw. But then the second game, it was like a total totally different and I know some weaknesses there that I didn't see the first game 
I like that he's got the range. I like that he can defend multiple positions and, you know, that he's, uh, you know, he's quick on his feet and he can move around. And that's going to help defensively with his size. But then he's also obviously got to, to put on some some weight, some some muscle, because if not, this is summer league. And once you start playing the real games, those guys are going to end up bullying him, bullying him if he's, uh, you know, like that. Uh, also, he puts, you know, when he tries to drive inside a lot of times, he gets the ball taken away from him. And a lot of times it's just, it's also decision-making. Like I'll see him put the ball down instead of, he'll have space to shoot and instead he'll put the ball down and try to, to shoot on side and then he'll get the ball still in like, like uh, we talked about. So definitely got to see a lot more on him still. But I mean, th- there's definitely good stuff there and he's still very young. So um, there's a lot of room to, to grow still. Yeah, I mean, you basically have a lot of I mean, you. You basically discuss a lot of things that I that I've seen as well. I mean, my biggest takeaway is you see little flashes of, of all those things that make him you know so versatile on both ends of the court. You know why he can basically, in terms of his um, his ceiling is a lot higher than somebody like Davis Bertans because he, you can see that he has those those the, that way of uh, in offensive driving, kind of putting the ball on the floor, shooting, um, and then on defense, you know, versatility, switching. But like we mentioned, he's so young right now. Uh, the physicality is a big thing for me right now that I'm seeing that, that he really struggles. Like you mentioned, on offense driving in, they can just easily try to swipe the ball from him. doesn't get foul calls. On defense, when you get him in the paint, you know, he can score over him. So it's going to be a long season for him in terms of just learning it in year one of the NBA. And like we mentioned, with Rudy back and Damari now here, we don't think he's going to play any, any kind of minutes, and real minutes in San Antonio. It's going to be a lot of Austin time for him. Uh, last guy, and I know I said last guy was Luca, but just real quick, I want to talk about Thomas Robinson, just a quick honorable mention. Because uh, I know he's a veteran. He's, I think he's, he's already had five years in the league. Um, but, you know, he's having a pretty decent summer league. 11.3 points, um, 65% shooting, 6.3 rebounds, and 2.3 assists. What have you thought about his three games that he's played? Uh, really, I guess really the easiest thing that comes to me is solid. He's been solid every game so far. And he's been one that's actually been consistent, it seems like, through the three games towards a lot of the other guys either aren't consistent on the games or they've been held out of games as well. So it's been good that they've been able to get him in there and playing minutes. So. Um, Definitely like what I see him. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, because of that, he'll get a chance somewhere. Uh, if if not on a team or in training camp, then maybe G League and spend a little more time there. Because he's definitely uh, got something there, I think, that he can work with and that teams can work with. But um, obviously, it just won't be in San Antonio. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I've, I've also been a little impressed with, um, with Robinson. But, again, Spurs are out of – out of roster spots, and at the moment, I don't think like if it came down to Boogie or Thomas Robinson, I think they're going to take Boogie yeah. over him. Kind of that kind of situations that they're in. All right, Mike, thanks for joining me on Spurscast episode five hundred forty-eight. Spurscast listeners, if you're on Twitter, you can follow him at mdeleon. Uh, make sure to keep checking productspurs.com. Uh, you know we have we have somebody out there covering Vegas for us uh, for summer league. You know we have some, some di- different pieces coming out about the, um, the the moves that the Spurs made in terms of the signings of Rudy Gay and Damari Carroll. And all those different kind of things. And, of course, we'll be on Boogie Watch, you know, to see if the Spurs do uh, work out a, a deal to sign up. So, so for, um, I'm Paul Garcia. Michael Dillon was my guest. Thank you. Have a great day. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.